I've never seen a diamond in the flesh. I cut my teeth on wedding rings. That's pretty good. This is the gloom, bringing you weekly interviews with F3 Omaha packs, exploring their F3 experiences and finding those sticky elements that create the glue in the gloom. Shout out to our sponsors, Major Team Mortgage, Omaha Laser Dentistry, exclusively iCare, and Liberty Core Real Estate. We appreciate their support. Now let's get back to the gloom. And we're back. Uh, this guy, man, I just love seeing his his smiling face. Uh, and I think uh, the number of ways he's led our group um, is countless. Uh, I think of his name as being an action that a lot of us take on a certain social media platform and we see something we like. Uh, but I also think about all the discussions he's led, all of the wisdom he's shared about uh, parenting, being a good husband, being a good friend. Uh, and then also, um, you know, most of us are not professionals, but this guy has given a few people some uh, advice. Uh, I think mostly telling people to, to stay off of it if it hurts, right? The old, if it hurts, don't do it. But man, uh, retweet uh, is who we've got and we are excited to see you, brother. So um, why don't you take us back to the to the beginning, maybe how it, uh, how it all started, who EH'd you, what was the first workout like, and then how did we land on the name retweet? Well, absolutely. And, and Pony and Plague, thank you for having me. As I mentioned earlier, I've listened to probably just about every one of these. And actually, I've gone back and listened to several of them kind of randomly again, because what I found is that, you know, you can know someone when you're running with them, you can know them when you're having coffee, but really when, when they're asked questions and they give pointed answers, you can really learn a lot. And sometimes the knowledge that they share is really good. And so I like to hear that again from several of the PAX members. So it's been really good. So thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this. Uh, my first workout was on December 26th of 2020. And what kind of led up to that was I was going skiing with my daughters and I was kind of trying to get in shape a little bit and I thought I was in a little bit of shape. And as you know, when you go skiing, you sometimes find out that you're not really in very good shape. So I, I think I was really just probably on the elliptical machine watching, uh, ben, you know, binge watching Ozark as much as I possibly could. So, um, uh, we went skiing. That's actually a good story because we got about halfway out there. To, well, we got to Grand Island and uh, my wife called and said, Hey, you got to turn around and come back because the, uh, the, uh, ride my daughter gets to school, she tested positive for COVID. So that was when you still had the quarantine. Oh. So we got to Grand Island, Trump came all the way back to Omaha, then drove back out to Grand Island, to, uh, to Breckenridge later that day. So it was a really long day. So I was really tired. So, so my daughter, my older daughter and I skied for two days and I just found out like, I'm not in very good shape at all, <laughs> at all. And I had been kind of watching Twitter and Chris Gradivel had uh, posted and I saw some of his uh, tweets and some of his posts about uh, F3. And I remember thinking, that looks really cool. And I was going to reach out to Chris about at some point in time. That looks really cool. But no way am I going to do that in the wintertime. Just absolutely no way. <laughs> so when I got back, I thought, you know what? Maybe I should get in a little bit better shape. So I just uh, looked up F3. And I, again, I was going to reach out to Chris, but I, I just didn't for some reason. And so I went out to the Oracle and did the 7 a.m. December 26th workout. And it was Dr. Thunder's BQ. Oh, nice. And uh, it was it was really pretty cool day. So I pulled in the parking lot about 6 50 or so. And there were several guys there already because the 6 a.m. Oracle was going on. 
And uh, so I just kind of walked up to the group, and I think Khaki, Tater, several other guys were there that, you know, who I had no idea who they were, but they certainly walked me in and they figured out I was a new guy. So that was the first workout. And it was interesting because it was cold and snowy and icy day after Christmas. And I remember thinking, well, what the heck is some of this stuff? Because it was just kind of weird and odd. And I remember getting done with the workout, and this is not uh, a knock on Dr. Thunder at all. I didn't think it was that hard solely because I hung back. I was watching more than I was doing anything else. And I didn't really think, you know, this isn't hard. I could see where it would be, but uh, I was tired later on. <laughs> I remember that. So. so that was the first workout. And um, I get in a circle at the end. And I, I kind of knew I was going to get a nickname, but not, I didn't really know anything about it. Because I had not talked to anybody that was an F3 member before coming out to this. So this was truly an unknown thing to me. And, you know, they started asking me who I was, where I was from, what do I do, etc. And I'm a nickname guy. I'm from a small town and everybody in my hometown has a nickname, whether you want it or not. And you are sometimes annoyed with that nickname when you're very young and that sticks with you through life. So <laughs> I kind of want to get something kind of cool. And they're asking me what I do. And I said, I'm a physical therapist, father of three from a small town. You know, what's your mascot? What do you like to do? And I'm thinking, uh, you know, give me something Caddyshack or something like that. And then somebody said, who brought you? And I said, well, nobody. I saw this on Twitter. And so Khaki's kind of punched me and says, retweet. <laughs> that was kind of it. <laughs> it was just, so he says, you retweet. And that was Dr. Thunder. And I thought, what? <laughs> That's it? So, I gave you so much cooler stuff than that. <laughs> I mean, there's, I want to be Judge Smales or I want to be something really cool or something that's, I don't know. So... That's how I got my nickname. And just like a lot of the guys that I hear on these podcasts and you hear talking to, I, I, I wouldn't say I was disappointed that I wasn't overly excited about it. But then as time went on, it certainly became, you know, such a bigger deal to me with mm -hmm. what happened to Chris. So, yeah, so that's that's the first day. Now, I will say the workout that day I didn't think was that big a deal, again, because I wasn't really working that hard. However, my third workout was Seesaw. And that was a different <laughs> that, that was completely mind-blowing, and you know I don't want to delve on about this too much. So that was I worked out on Saturday, and I went back on, I believe it was Tuesday, to the Coliseum, and it snowed that day. Maybe it was Thursday at Battlefield, I can't remember which one. And it snowed that day a couple good inches. I remember laying in the middle of the field, and we were doing flutter kicks. I'm looking up, and the snow's getting my face, and I thought, this is awesome. I just loved it. I thought, this is really cool. And so guys had said, hey, you know, you should come on Saturday. We're going to do this seesaw. And I had no idea, absolutely no idea what it was. And I think, I don't know, Stinger said, yeah, we're going to run a couple miles. It's no big deal. You run a mile. You kind of sit around. You don't do anything. You kind of run another mile. There'll be a car if you get in trouble. So I said, I'll go. And again, I didn't know anybody. I literally know, knew no one except Icy Hot because I had talked to him years ago when we were kind of working in the same field. So I knew him, but just just that much, not very much. And so then when CSOP came, that was, I literally had to be carried in. Uh, Merchant Biff, I think, walked me home the last mile, and I thought I was going to die. I mean, I literally thought I was going to die. Yeah. I got in the car after just freezing in that parking garage, just literally freezing. And I called my wife, and I said, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and she said, oh, my God, what's going on? Are you okay? I'm like, no. I said, you're going to have to come help me get me out of the truck because I don't get to get out because I was cold and sore and I hadn't run at all. And so I learned a lesson about, uh, you know, 
how hard a workout can be. And granted, that's a little bit different case, but that's that was my third workout. That was Shawshank, right? That was the one that. Yeah, and I absolutely loved it. I I loved every bit of it. Um, I was hooked really from kind of day one on. It probably took me until maybe. Oh, I don't think I came out again until maybe that following Tuesday or Thursday. But then after that, I started coming out on a very, very, very consistent basis. Nice. Well, it's so, quite the initiation, right? Hitting a seesaw. On your, oh, my on God. Your oh, my God. I, uh, I would like to go back and talk to all those guys who told me, yeah, you can do this, and literally <laughs> punch every one of them in the face. I would <laughs> like to do Stinger, Stinger's a listener. You got to, you know, we got we to gotta find out, Stinger, what, what was – you totally undersold you on that seesaw. Yeah, I think so. Well, the first day, the first workout, I will tell you what was really important about that was um, IC came up to me that day and, you know, talked to me. And he, he sent me a text later. Khaki sent me a text later that Saturday. Um, Taylor Todd sent me a text. I think that uh, Dr. Thunder sent me a text saying, hey, welcome, you know, come back again, you know, be part of this. And that was so cool. So, yeah. so cool. So well, I was really interested in yeah, I'm always so interested in guys who, who show up without someone bringing them, right? I mean, there's this this level of mystery, and you don't know what you're getting yourself into. And, you know, it sounds like you had an overall a good experience to come back, and then we're, we're duped into doing a C-stop, and look, here you are. And <laughs> no, it, it was great. I, I was hooked, really, from day one. And C-stop sent me back a couple of days, but I was hooked from day one. I loved it. I loved, it. I loved everything about it. It was cool. Were you always uh, into – so you're a physical therapist, right? So assuming at some point you've done some athletics or I guess how would you – what was life like growing up for you as far as like fitness and exercise and sports? Oh, moderately heavy. So I grew up in a small town in Nebraska where you played everything, you know, football, basketball, ran track, everything. So I was always doing something. I ran track in high school and I was, uh, you know, being a small town, it, you, you played everything and you were fairly good at everything. Or you kind of weren't. I was good at some things and not at others. I was always good at kind of sprinting and things like that. And then in college and certainly going on the rest of my life, I always stayed active, always stayed in shape and always doing something Whether it be, you know, I've done yoga at five thirty in the morning for years and things like that. So, and I think that, you know, with what my profession is and what I do, if, if I'm not in shape and fit, I can't tell someone else what to do. And so I think mm -hmm. I'm a very big believer of, you know, your presentation of what you look like. Yeah. And how you can do things is very important, what you can talk to patients or certainly other people about. So I've always stayed in shape, you know, running, walking, yoga, like I said, or you know, elliptical, and certainly some weights and things like that. So, um, but I had you know, kind of fallen back a little bit like everybody has, three kids, busy, not as consistent as probably uh, I should have been. But I would say I was average, average active going back kind of pre-F3. Um, well, I, I do like this idea of practicing what you preach, right? You're a living example of that. Hey, I'm not going to go talk to people about how they should be doing something if I can't do it myself. It's, you know, the concept of don't cue it if you can't do it. I like that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, curious from just a fitness perspective, how do you think F3 kind of stacks up and we do for, for guys on a, on a fitness level? Oh, there's, this is, that's a great question because there are so many levels of fitness ability in F3. Um, I, I've got a book and it's, it's called Endure and it's talking about how you can push your, yourself to limit things. And I think Barbara wrote it, you know, it's just, it's, you know, it's like <laughs> trying to run a marathon in you know, an hour and 50 or something crazy like that. But then you can take someone who is, you know, out of shape or overweight and they can still get a good workout in almost any workout that we have. Um, I really appreciate how you can modify as much as you need to. I really appreciate how 
no matter what you do, there's always someone going to be with you, no matter if it's a run at Paradise or a Murph. I did a Murph this morning and a guy had, this was his third workout on a Murph. And I'm like, dude, you're, you're the man for doing that. You know, 20 some years old and he was struggling, but you know what? He did it. And I think that's so cool. And I think that you can have as much fitness as you want. So I always think convergence is a good example. You go to convergence and you really work that hard at convergence. No, I mean, you talk to 60 guys at some point in time, but if you're pre-ran and you ran with somebody like, you know, like you plague or somebody like cataracts or far you know, you're going to die during the convergence. You're going to be really tired, but that's up to you. And I used to think that as a cue, I owed it to people to just not beat them up, but really give them a really good workout. And I back back from that a little bit because if people really want to get that extra level working out, you're going to pre-run or you're going to push yourself a little harder during the actual work. And you have to be very aware of the people that are there and you have to be able to change the workout so you can modify to their ability level as well. So maybe you need to tone down just a little bit. So I think that you can work as hard or as little as you want to at almost any workout by just incorporating a pre-run. That's such a big deal from, from the fellowship part as well, but certainly the fitness. Well, I, th I think that's good to be mindful of. I mean, free to lead talks about like, if you make it hard, people will show up. Right. I mean, and, and Plague and I often have conversations about, well, how hard should you actually make the workout? And I like this idea of like, well, you make it hard, but also make it accessible to other guys, make it to where it can be modified, make it to where, there's a pre-run offering or, or whatever it is. And I, I really like this of being more inclusive to the other guys. Um, well, and you know, typically how hard a workout's going to be. Plague, you're going to do burpees. Slow pitch is going to have you hop on one foot at some point in time. Mufasa is going to have you do burpees. You know, uh, wait time, you're going to do the style. You kind of mm -hmm. know what the workout's going to be. If you're new, you might not know what the workout's going to be. But, you know, as you get to be a couple times into it, you know how hard it's going to be. And, you know, you know I'm not going to pre-run that day, but I'm going to get this done that time. So... Well, curious about your—I mean, I guess a reflection from you on where you think your fitness level is since joining the group. Oh, it's gone through a, a, a big change overall. I, I'll go back and say, you know, I was not running that much, and I still don't run that much now. But it's—I certainly can run. But um, I'm stronger, I'm fitter, I'm healthier, and I'm three years older than I was. I'm 50 right now, and you know, I can do a Murph this morning and just—I want to say I can just pop it out, but. You know, if you asked me five years ago, could you do a hundred pull-ups on assisted? Like, <laughs> no, no way. I mean, just absolutely no way. But now, I mean, that's something I I love doing that, and I never could have done that before, and I never would have run as much as I did before. I never would have done as many push-ups or anything like that prior to F three. I would have done some level of that, but certainly not what I'm doing right now. Hmm. And, and right now, I'm kind of in a place where I'm not actually going as much as I was going back, say, a year ago because there's some other things, but it, it's amazing how much more fit I am than I was before. Have you been skiing since the, since you started? <laughs> uh, once, and my son and daughter both texted me last week and said, hey, we're going to go again at Christmas this year. So I said, yeah, so I just kind of started looking at some things again. So I got to start running a little bit more. I got to start doing some more squats and things like that in this next month to get ready for that again. Yeah, so, yeah. I love it. <laughs> Hey, you know, I'm curious because you, I mean, you jumped right in and gosh, the CSOP within three days. So the fellowship, you know, that second F piece probably was like, you know, overwhelming a little bit, but how have you gone about developing key relationships? Because one of the things that I think when a lot of guys meet you, they're like, they kind of reference maybe your M and, <laughs> and sort of her role in their children's life. I've heard that come up many times, but just like, how have you built relationships over the years? 
you know, that's been interesting as well because a lot of people do know my wife and have had some sort of uh, medical interaction with her. Uh, F3 came along at a really good time for me because my job changed the mm. September before. I went from working in a clinic all day long seeing patients to going into a management role. <clears throat> and so I came from being, you know, someone who came to see every day and had a very consistent work staff around me to managing people. And when you're the boss and you go into a clinic, that changes things just a little bit. You know, people don't, the jokes aren't the same, the interactions aren't the same. So that kind of changed a little bit. And I was not having the banter that I did with, you know, 8, 10, 12, 15 patients in a day that I had before. Hmm. So I was kind of missing that in my life. And you get that with F3 because you can have a ton of in-depth conversations, but you can really have a lot of banter in general, one, two, three, five-minute conversations. And I really, really like that. And that was gone. I missed that from September up and through that December time frame. So the F3 fellowship came along right at the right point in time for me. And it, the welcoming that I got from the different guys was so good that it was hard not to become you know, friends with a lot of guys on a fairly quick basis. And I didn't go to coffee very much right at the beginning because I would go home take my daughter to school. But when I could on Saturday some other time, I really liked that. And mm. you know, the conversations you would have somebody at coffee or in a pre-run and then the text that would follow up that, hey, where are you going to go the next day? What are you thinking about this? And there's so many guys that are so good about reaching out and saying, hey, it was great to see you today. Haven't seen you in a long time. Hey, you want to run tomorrow? That's been such a good thing. And then that's just you know, kind of taken off and gone into, you know, whether you golf with someone or, the, you know, the poker tournament I played in on Friday night, there was whatever, 40 guys there. You know, that's never been a really good thing. And I'm somebody who has a fair amount of friends, but not a lot of them live around here. And I know a lot of people in the kind of general sense. And to be able to have, you know, I went to the store yesterday, there's Dirty Bird. And, you know, 15 minutes later, you know, you know, I go, hey, you probably better go. Your wife and kids have been gone for 15 minutes. You know, that's just such a cool thing to be able to have that. And I know that I'm going to go to the Creighton game tomorrow night and I'll see five, six, ten guys. That's such a cool thing. And they're not necessarily long in-depth conversations, but they certainly can be. And that's such a really, really, really cool thing. So the fellowship has been absolutely awesome. It's something to develop lots of casual friendships and certainly some deeper ones as well. Well, and you had mentioned knowing Chris before, and, and I'm assuming you knew it. I mean, Icy Hot, you knew Icy Hot from prior. Curious about how those relationships changed over time with, with the group, right? Kind of going through the same things at different times in your life. Curious on how that, that kind of worked sure. out. Sure. I'm, I'm glad you brought Chris back into place. So I knew Chris. I took care of Chris when he was in high school as an athlete. And I talked about this at his run here a couple weeks ago. You know, he was he was just a stud. He was so good. He would enter the room. And he came into my clinic, and he, he would know everybody immediately. Hmm. And he was just such a good guy. And then I would go watch him play at Creighton, and inevitably I'd go down at the end of the game, something like that, and he'd give my kids a ball. So he was just such a good guy. So I lost track of touch with him kind of for a while when he was gone. But then when he came back, certainly, I mean, he was one of the first guys to reach out to me after he saw my name on the list. I think I saw him, would have been maybe 10 days later, Octagon, big hug. It was so fantastic. So, you know, really, Chris is the reason I'm part of F3. And, you know, that's, that's, it will always be a big deal to me. So he's, it was very special. And I wish that, you know, I'd been able to connect with him more in that time frame. So um, as far as Icy Hot, you know, again, he reached out to me right away. And I, one of the guys I would run with a lot was Icy Hot because he was very good at reaching out to me. We have a lot of sh same shared interests, same things we talk about from the medical world. And I, I mean, he's one of my favorite guys to run with because we always have something to talk about that's really good. And then he gave me the flag at Paradise as well. So, I, you know, I always feel like I owe him for that.
Hmm. So yeah, yeah the relationship is very, very <laughs> that's how that works. Yeah, <laughs> trap me into it. So uh, thank it. you for bringing up Chris. I think that you know the impact that Chris Bradwell had on me. Uh, look what Sparty's done, and just look what you know for so many people. You know, such a big impact. It's just you talk about legacy. Hmm. Huge. Heck yeah, man. And we, we've got a, one of our uh, questions sort of more towards the end. We'll, we'll ask you, we'll revisit that legacy piece, but I want to get your thoughts on, on something else because so you're a, a Q source guy, right? Not everybody we, we talk to uh, knows Q source or is into Q source, but this concept of the, the concentrica and kind of the relationships um, that we prioritize. Tell me about, about that. How have you sort of gone about prioritizing relationships over the years? Uh, good question. Uh, I think that, first of all, I love QSource. I think that even if you can just go for 10 minutes, because you're going to hear something in 10 minutes from someone that will have an impact on your day. And I think it's good to go to different QSources if you can, because whether you're at Paradise or whether you're you know, at Paradise, place like that, a lot of the same guys are there. And you're going to hear them at different times say different things, but it's good to hear different points of view from different people. And the, the good thing is, you know, the topics change all the time. And not only do the topics change, but where you are in your world changes. Mm-hmm. So you may be you know, really up or really down and something affects you a certain way and you respond a certain way. And you can share that 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 time. And so I think about, you know, we talk about free to lead. I don't know, I'm getting off track a little bit here. We talk about free to lead. Free to lead applies to everybody, mm-hmm. no matter where you are. But it applies to you differently at different times in your year or in your life. So I, I for everybody who's got free to lead, I always think once a month, once a week, once, once a quarter, open it up and just open up to a random page and read that because that's going to apply to you differently than it did the first time you read it. Mm-hmm. So um, going back to Concentrica, I think that you know, the most important relationship you can have is with your spouse by far. And then certainly, you know, you bring your kids into play with that as well, but you, you have to have a good relationship with your spouse. And for the guys who are divorced, you know, I know that's a tricky issue, but you know, how your kids see you treat your M and how other people see you treat your M is so important. It's huge. So that's always been kind of my biggest thing is, you know, you have to treat your wife the right way. And my wife who deals with a lot of weird things she's an obstetrician and so she hears a lot of different things from women and the best advice she always tells men is you have to continue to date your wife Hmm. so i always try to make sure we do that and even i fall off of that knowing i should do that so you have to take care of you know what's most important to you and for most of us for me anyway that's my life Mm -hmm. i love it i you know something too about the the q source stuff is it really builds expands on some of the relationships, right? You kind of hear how a guy is approaching certain pieces of his life, like how they're raising their kids or how they approach work or you, you know, and so then you kind of just, you know, like unravel another layer and then build a, another relationship. I've always loved, loved that. I, I'm curious your thoughts too, because something else that um, sort of a big life transition, although, um, you know, you don't look 50, uh, but you, you've got, you've entered the, this uh, respect group and just kind of curious how maybe the relationships uh with with guys have helped with that transition or maybe it's been an easy transition i, I don't know but curious your thoughts there. it's been an interesting transition how's that sound so because i can it, thank you for saying I, I don't necessarily look 50 
certain parts of me feel 50. You know, there's a little more aches and pains now than there've ever been before. And and actually, I think I can blame that on F3 because I, you know I did the Murph this morning. I know I'll be sore tomorrow, and that's that's Dadgum uh, District's fault. Um, I think that you look around at a workout or at a coffee or anything, and you see who's there, and you see how they are continuing to try to accelerate and get better. And you know, obviously, khakis, wait time, those guys come to mind. But there are so many guys with so the Ozark, and you can name tons of names. But look at guys like Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. You look at guys that are uh, Q-tip, guys that are continuing to accelerate. And so I think that's really important because it shows you that, hey, yeah, you're 50, but so. Mm-hmm. You know, there's other guys that are older than you. And I think for guys that pointing that, you know, that you're young, you, you look at a guy like me like, wait a second, I'm tired and sore. Well, retweets 50. Uh, he was there. I can get out there. So, so I think that's so important to see that because, you know, I think a big problem that we have in our world is apathy toward whatever. And for in my world, a lot of that is apathy toward not wanting to do hard things. I work out. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to stop working out. You get done with high school, you get done with college, and you don't go for a walk. You don't go for a run. And you just go just downhill so fast. And that leads to so many problems, you know, being overweight, diabetes. But then the mental component of that as well. And then you don't feel as good. So I think that you know, continue to do hard things with your body and challenge your body is such a good thing. That makes your mind more clear. And then being around people like other F3 PAX members who are trying to get better and challenge themselves only raises your game. And again, look at guys like, I mean, I'm amazed at guys like Farva and, and Chernobyl doing 40,000 pull-ups. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. So if people like that can do things, it makes you want to do harder things as well. So yeah, 50, so what? You know, keep going. Yeah. I love it. I, the other um, sort of thing that I was going to ask you about, because I think, you, you know, the level of relationship kind of depends on, on vulnerability, right? And I, I, you know, have been blown away several times. You've given a COT and you've opened up to the group. And, you know, so this idea of like, you know, men getting vulnerable with each other, sharing life and sharing stories and making each other better, you know, has a huge impact on relationships. But I'm also curious, you know, as you think about like that third F and the faith piece, like how does that all come together for you with, you know, the relationships, maybe it's the COTs, the prayer, um, the serving the community. I mean, you know, tell us how that, how that looks in your life. Yeah. Faith is a, I mean, that's a really interesting thing. Whether it be third F or I, you know, I, I think that you know, my background is raised Catholic K through 12, you know, six years in college at a Catholic mm-hmm. university. So I, I always say I know the readings. <laughs> and, <laughs> but I, I think faith is, you know, there's a religious component to faith, which is, you know, my belief in God and Jesus and that. But I think that you know, I like to think of it in terms of more of belief and, you know, what you believe in and, you know, what what you know, what form of God you believe in is certainly a big deal. But I think, you know, the way you believe in other people is probably a bigger thing. Mm. So, you know, I think the thing that F3 has really been good to me about from a faith standpoint is, you know, and so going back to kind of COTs here, like, you know, guys open up and tell stories. You know, I, I mean, was there a spike one time when you talked about what you've been through and you hear about guys talk about, you know, their children not talking to them and, you know, getting fired from jobs and things like that, you know, that vulnerability comes out there. But there's a lot of people who I think are in F3 
that with what they've been through in their life, I'm not sure I would have given them a second chance. Mm. So, you know, the faith you can have in someone can be restored by them opening up. Mm. And I think that's way more important than, you know, going to church on Sunday and going through the motions and doing that. That's still important. It's still very important that you do that. But I think that, you know, you're believing other people yeah. is, is a huge deal. That's a huge yeah. thing. Now, that being said, I think it's very important that you have a very good foundation of religion in your life for your kids and for you as well, because we all need kind of a guidepost to bring us back to. And for me, the, the, the belief part is I love to go to a church on a Tuesday afternoon at one o'clock or whenever, when there's no one there, because I think that's when you're really a little bit more, um, you know, you're a little bit more focused. You're not looking at, you know, who's in the pew in front of you, who's in the pew behind you, you know, how much longer is this going to last? And I think for me, I pray the rosary a lot. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really big thing because it's, I think when you're, the saying is, you know, when you're praying, you're thinking about somebody else. So, yeah. I, you know, I love this idea of, of redemption or, you know, making sure that you're giving someone another opportunity when they come forward and are, are vulnerable with you that you may have not given a second chance. Curious on if, you know, you've need needed redemption um and, and came forward in the group and, and oh and sure yeah I, felt like I, got. I am not perfect i'll be the first one to say that <laughs> i will be the first one to say it. and to kind of just backtrack a little bit i think that you know the, the perfect church i think for me would be one where people give up and give a cot <laughs> and I, somebody else said that in one of the, the podcasts you know but just think about it. if you would go to whatever church whatever you know basis it is and four or five Six people, guys, girls, kids, got up and gave a three-minute COT. Because how often during a COT have you lost focus on what someone's saying? Mm. Rarely. Because first of all, they're not very long. Right. And they're usually pretty heartfelt. And the biggest thing is you're interested to hear what they have to say. You know, I'm interested to hear what you have to play say. I, I want to know what, Pony, what you're going to say. I want to know what, what's on Khaki's mind that week. I want to know, you know, you know, what's going through slow pitches. Head. I want to know those things. And so I wish we could have more of those. Uh, at church. If we could do that, I think that'd be a perfect thing. So, you know, you certainly hear about people considering F3 to be their church. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's, I, I can see why people say that. So, but have I needed redemption? Sure. sure. Keep uh, praying for me. Please yeah. <laughs> don't stop. Absolutely. Hey, retweet, man. Something that I just love about you, and I even hear, see a little bit of it as we're talking here today, but just your, and I, you can tell me I'm, I'm way off base here, but I, when you start talking about people like Chris or other guys' stories, I, I see sort of your heart starting to shine through, um, maybe get a little bit emotional. And I think yeah. it's because you, you love, you love uh, a lot. And I'm just curious where that comes from. Like where, where, how did you develop that? That's definitely not my default. Uh, and I just, I see that in <laughs> you. I, I admire that in you. Well, I think some of it comes with age because as you, you know, as both of you guys get older and your kids get older and, you know, your friends are getting older. Even most of my buddies say, you know, they'll start, start telling a story and they're like, God, you start bawling for no reason at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I think some of that's age. But, um, you know, I think the vulnerability that's come from F3 is, has created a little bit more of that as well. Yeah. And then just, you know, seeing your time kind of, I'm certainly not near the end, but I'm in that uh, free lead talks about, you know, the first 500, the second 500, and the third 500. I, I'm starting to see that I'm getting in that, 
you know, that third 500 and, you know, really appreciating things. But, you know, the impact that people have had on me and how people have been kind to me makes me feel that way a lot. Yeah. I love it, man. It's so cool. I, it's something that, that I just admire about you. I appreciate that a lot. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, it's hard for me sometimes to tell a story or even some COTs. I'm like, God, am I going to ball here during this thing? <laughs> but you know what? It, it doesn't bother me other than the fact that I can't keep on message sometimes. You know, that's no, probably the, the big thing. It's like, you know, I want to get this out, but I don't want to. It's not that, again, I don't mind becoming emotional. It's like, I just want to finish this. And so a lot of times when I talk about Chris, it becomes a very emotional thing for me. And, you know, I've given COTs. It, my wife was in a very bad accident uh, in 2016. I told that story once, you know, and that was really hard mm-hmm. because I, you know, broke down what happened and, and all those things. And so it's, I think the age and just being appreciative of things has caused a lot of that for me. Yeah. What a cool thing though, for men to just see like, Hey, it's okay for us to have feelings and for him to show sometimes, you know, like I, it's just, that's a, that, that in and of itself is such a, a leadership lesson for, I can't for imagine me. people in 1980, 90, you know, you name the year coming together, like we've come together here and tell their story. I, you know, as short of, you know, some support groups and things like that, imagine your parents or your uncles, or your grandfathers coming together and sharing something in a Q source or, you know, getting emotional in a COT, no way. Maybe, but but no way would that have happened. And so I think yeah, that we've yeah. come a long ways with that. Hey, are you the type of guy that likes to get up early in the winter to battle your jester? Do you love listening to people drone on and on and on about COVID in the gloom? Would you trust your vision to a guy nicknamed Cataracts? Well, if the answer to any of these questions is yes, fellas, you have bigger problems than you think. Dr. Cataracts, a.k.a. Dr. Wolf, can't solve all of your problems, but he can certainly help you solve the problems related to your eye health and vision. You will find many F3 principles throughout his practice. Check him out today at Exclusively Eye Care. Hey, uh, the other question on this, on the third F uh, sort of vein, um, tell us about like community service and, and some of those events. Have you had a chance to get uh, involved in, in any of those? I know the you mentioned the poker tournament, which is kind of second yeah. and third. <laughs> that's, that's, that's certainly community service, but that's a little bit more fun. So I would say, you know, like a lot of your uh, guests on here, that's certainly something I could do better. I certainly have done some things, um, done some Heartland Hope, um, you know, help the seesaw at Boys Town. Uh, I took my daughter to a couple things. That's something I need to be better about. I definitely need to be better about that because, you know, there's there's nothing like giving back and appreciating when you see someone who is in a less fortunate place than you to make you appreciate what you have and make you realize that some of your problems aren't what you really think they are. Um, so I, that's that's certainly a goal for me in 2024 is to become more active in that. And I, I, I will certainly strive to do better with that. So I really appreciate guys like Vandalay and Lemelon, those guys who put the time and energy into that. And it's amazing how F3 guys are so supportive of things like that. You know, it, if you said at, a, at your school, hey, we need – 15 people to come pick up trash on a Saturday morning. It'd be at a PTA meeting. It, it'd be crickets. Mm-hmm. You say that yeah. at a coffee on Thursday morning, they'll be like, well, I'll be there at 10. I can be there too. I can be there. 15 guys with their hand in five minutes. It's just mm-hmm. amazing how, you know, um, giving guys are and, and things like that. So I need to be better. That's a goal of mine. Definitely. 
Hmm. Well, I think that's fine. And I think, I mean, I struggle with the same, right? I mean, even before F3, my comment was like, yeah, I think I'm pretty philanthropic and uh, I wasn't. And then I come into F3 and I'm still not the most philanthropic guy. <laughs> just, the, just the fact that there's opportunity here, I think is a great thing. And I think there's so many good opportunities. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the other point of this is, is to talk about leadership here. So we are curious about your time in paradise. You know, what, what went into taking over the reins? How did ICA ask you? Did you force you into it? I mean, walk us through it. <laughs> uh, no, I was very appreciative of the, of the um, ask. So Tater had asked me, you know, several months before about running a site. And I just never, I never really took the reins and, and jumped into it as much as I should have. It's just something I was a little hesitant to do. Again, I was transitioning with the job. And so I just never pursued it as much as I probably should have. But I knew I wanted to run a site. And Icy was coming to the end of his reign. And he, he asked me, he said, would you be interested in taking over Paradise? Uh, you know, I it, I don't think he'd finished asking. I said yes, because um, Paradise was always a fun place because I was I hadn't run that much in a long time, but I loved Paradise because I loved the the route through the hills, loved the variation of that. There was always a really good group of guys there, and then I wasn't always staying for the whole Q source, but I would usually stay for ten or fifteen minutes, and so I really liked that, and I knew that would make me stay for the whole thing. So it was an immediate yes. You know, he didn't have to strong army. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Uh, when you want to do it? And, you know, he said, well, how about uh, this? I go, great, let's do it. So it was an immediate absolute yes, I wanted to do that. And I, and I absolutely cherished my time at Paradise because, you know, it, it always gave me something to look forward to. I loved helping plan to find the cues because it was always, I, I think in the, you know, the 52 weeks I had it, um, I think I only had one or two guys say, Hey, man, I'm really sorry. I, I just can't do it right now. I think mm -hmm. one of those guys reached back up to me like, yeah, I can do it. Yeah, I'll do it. So it was never a challenge. It was, it was really fun to do that. And that it always gave me something to look forward to right in the middle of the week. And it was consistent. I think the consistency part of that was such a big thing. And I, I loved, you know, every Wednesday going into wheat fields and there was Ann every Wednesday and she was always hugging me. And so I, I really, really enjoyed the time, but nothing gave me as much joy as getting the flag out back in my truck and planning it. That was just so fun. And then doing it, you know, bringing the flag to other sites as well and knowing that you were carrying a flag, that's just such a cool thing. And, you know, I planted my front yard during the week sometimes because it was just, <laughs> it was just cool. Yeah. So I love that. Absolutely. There's well, a little bit of pride that comes with that for sure. I mean, you, you no question. Really proud that you're carrying around. And I, I like that you were, um, I will say, I had never done Q source before and you had actually asked me to get on the queue. And I, I love how you led me into it. You said, Hey, I want to get you on, on the queue. I said, well, okay, no problem. By the way, there's Q source here. Oh, I've never done it. Oh, don't worry. Here's the passage. See you in the morning. And you kind of just let me either fail or succeed. And obviously in that arena, <clears throat> one really ever fails. So I yeah. really appreciated the push there. I am curious, you know, your transition from just an attendee, right? Those 10, 15 minutes you could make it to actually leading the Q source discussions. What was that transition like? It was great. Did you come to appreciate? Uh, you know, as the Q source goes on, you get to hear guys get more vulnerable during the course of each individual one. So, you know, there might not be much talking for the first five or six or seven minutes, but inevitably it just goes on its own. And, you know, a lot of times, having led it, having witnessed it, having been there, sometimes the the leader of QSource only asks one or two questions and it just goes. And all of a sudden it's all, you know, hey, we, we better wind this down because it's getting a little late. So, mm -hmm. and then sometimes guys aren't as open and, you know, guys have to pry things out. I mean, you know, if, if, if Ice-T is leading QSource, 
he's going to ask everybody there something. So be prepared for that. And that's really good because some guys will just sit back and not say very much. He's going to ask you something. And that's a really good. That's kind of some of that shared leadership that you're going to see because everybody gets to participate. And some people participate more. But that's what I saw over the course of the evolution of my time there was, you know, how much people would evolve and how much they would talk. And then you'd have someone who talked very little, but then four or five, six weeks later, you know, they were very vocal on some of the things they were saying. And I had not seen that before. So that was really cool. I really, I really appreciated that. That's awesome. Hey, I just want to go back and just clarify, because you said your favorite part was putting the flag in your truck, but I thought you, you told me your favorite part was when I would call you afterwards looking for my wallet and <laughs> and then I would find it in my car. So I think I did that three or four times. I'm like, retweet, I lost my wallet. <laughs> Uh, one time you actually did find it. I left it on the counter there, but man, um, you're worse than me and I'm terrible. I leave stuff <laughs> everywhere. I go headphones, wallet, keys. It's the yeah. coffee, man. The coffee must've just got to me. No, it, it got to the point whenever I, whenever you were there, I would kind of make sure I walk out after you and kind of look around to kind of see, yeah. you know, like <laughs> oh, leave a hotel room. I got to look around the bed one more time. Make sure you didn't get anything. So I'm that guy. Oh, it's awesome. Well, tell us about uh, Tight Lip and just the process of, of selecting him as your successor. Uh, it, that was really, it really came together nicely. It was really, really easy because I remember, so I took over kind of, I think I was on maybe the 14th of September. And he came out, it was kind of, I think his first time was like the 30th of August. And so I'd met him kind of once or twice before that, not very many times. And it was maybe, gosh, I'm not sure of the exact date, maybe about the 1st of October. I get out of my truck and I'm walking over and he comes up to me and again. I think I met him maybe once. And he said, are, are you Jerry Jacoby? And I said, yes. He says, is your wife Rebecca Jacoby? I said, yes. And then he said, your wife saved my wife's life. And so that's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's five o'clock in the morning and you're still a little sleepy. But that was a very big impactful thing for him to say. And I will tell you that you know, lots of people I run into know my wife because she's delivered their baby or something like that. But that, that was certainly different. So then he wanted to tell a story about, you know, kind of what happened with his wife. My wife was on call and had to do something and it, you know, it worked out really good. And then they went on and had a couple kids. And so, you know, he was very, very appreciative of that. And so on the run that morning, I started thinking, you know, that's a good guy. That's a cool guy right there. And he was clearly kind of starting to take off a little bit. See, even though he hadn't come out very much. And for some reason, I remembered... I can't remember who it was, was talking about, you know, when they started thinking about finding the next site queue and how they were kind of having a hard time with that. And I hadn't thought, but literally I'd had the flag for months. I hadn't really thought about it very much. And I got in my car that day and I pulled out of Wheatfields, pulled out of Pacific Street, was getting ready to get on the interstate. And I thought, he's the next queue. Hmm. So, and I said something to him by, oh gosh, maybe, I don't know, a month or so later, I said, hey, you know, listen. I really appreciate, you know, all you're doing. And he was, you know, taking off at other places as well. I said, you know, I, I think that you'd be a great site queue and you'd be a great site queue here. Mm-hmm. And he kind of looked at me, you know, kind of, oh, okay. You know, and you know how tight left is. He's quiet, but very thoughtful. And then I was gone for a little while and I let him have the flag. And, you know, it really was never, it was never a hard choice at all. It was probably the easiest choice that I could have possibly had with finding a uh, replacement for me and certainly and, and someone who could elevate it. And it was, what I really appreciate about him is that, He's always there. He always runs. He always stays for Q source, and he wasn't the site Q. And that's someone you want who's invested in that site. And that was certainly him. So very, very easy choice. Yeah, very not easy. that it's prerequisite. He's also a beast. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, 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 
you know, you see how much he's accelerated and doing things like the, you know, the four hours, every, you know, running four miles every four hours, things like that. Crazy things. You know, so he's been a very big impact, impactful person. And, you know, he's a pre-runner and I wasn't always a pre-runner. So that's important. And then I was really happy I kind of locked him up because I think he was on the short list for several other sites as well. Mm -hmm. So it worked out really good. I, I'm very happy that he approached me and that he said yes. So perfect replacement. Heck yeah. Yeah. I am curious on the, on the leadership piece, right? You, you get a side. sounds like you're willing to take it on pretty quick. What, what types of leadership invigoration did you get from, from F3? I mean, you just took over a new, new role, right? A new gig sometime mm -hmm. soon when you started in, into more of a management position. I mean, I'm sure you've got some leadership stuff at home that you're making sure you're leading your family a certain way. What things were you able to take from being a site queue and kind of, carry over into the real world well i generally from f3 you know probably one of the biggest things is picking up the six so making sure that everybody comes home so to speak and then making sure that everyone feels really welcomed because yeah. i think in that first couple months i don't know how many times i went to a workout and the, somebody would text me and often it was a site queue or the person who queued that day, hey, it was great to see you today. Thank you for being there today. And so the inclusiveness of that, making sure that everyone felt welcome was such a big thing for me. And that's something I've certainly tried to incorporate in every aspect that, that I do is, you know, hey, if, if nothing else, it's great to see you. How are you doing? And how is your life? And how are things going for you? And I would, I would ask those questions before, but I'm not sure I was as sincere with those questions as I was. Mm -hmm. And I think the other part about being a site queue is just, you know, the consistency, you know, that, you know, the days are going to change. It's going to be cold. It's going to be hot. It's going to be rainy. It's going to be snowing, but you're the consistent person there. That's always there. And, you know, you set the tone for greeting everyone. You set the tone by making sure everyone feels appreciated, making sure that everyone feels like they were there. I think those are things I took away from that. And that, that's certainly not me. That was, I mean, I, I witnessed that in everyone else who was a site queue or a queue at another F3 site, certainly before I started doing it. So those are the big things I've learned is the inclusiveness and making sure everyone feels welcome and appreciated. Mm. Have you found, so I, I love that. And I, I've tried to apply, you know, picking up the six, like at my, at my work too. Right. Like, but I think there's a level of, I don't know if it's like competition in the corporate world or maybe it's medicine or, but that makes it really hard. Right. Cause people are like, well, why would I go pick up that person? I want to, I want to do better than them, but have you, I don't know what's been your experience trying to like, yeah, sort of I, I, I see what you're saying there. And I think some of it is, well, then at what point do you cut someone out? Like, <laughs> you're making, you know what I'm saying? From a, it's from a manager perspective, it's, it's, it's really tough because you know, the, the best thing is you can't help those that don't want to be helped. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's only so much energy you can put into someone else and you realize that, Hey, they're dragging me down or they're not helping my organization. Whereas I think at F3, the people that are, that are dragging you down, that's because they just started or because yeah. they've got, they're injured. They've got some other things going on, but they're not going to tell you that. You don't know if somebody has got a bad leg or a bad knee or, you know, they're just sick. You don't know that. And they're not going to tell you that. So I think that you have to kind of dig a little bit deeper, you know, in the workplace environment, sometimes I think it's maybe they're not accelerating because they don't know how hmm. and they need help. Yeah, that's so, great. You know, it's how many times have somebody given you instructions? You're like, great, I got this. And then you start doing something like, no idea. Okay, <laughs> but I'm not going to ask because then I'm an idiot. And, you know, if someone can identify that you're struggling and you can verbalize, hey, I really don't know why I'm doing here, then you can help them succeed a lot more. So I think that's, that's what that's taught me is, you know, listen, 
just because they're not succeeding isn't because they don't want to, it's because they don't know how. But you're right, Tony, at some point in time, you know, you can't let somebody suck the life out of you and you, you have to move on from them at some point in time. So, but that, that's generally not an F3. I know that. So, right. Yeah. It's a shared, shared belief in the, in the mission that sort of we're all, we're all striving for. I love that. I, you know, I'm curious too, as you think about sort of other ways that you've led, um, and I don't know if you view this as leadership, but I think a lot of guys reach out to you, you know, plantar fasciitis or knee pain or whatever kind of pain. And I think there is some leadership just telling a guy, Hey, you got to rest, right? Like you get, you know, but I don't know how, how has that all sort of funneled in? How have you balanced sort of the kind of professional aspect of that, but not, you know, I don't know. Do you, have you had some guys that, that you've actually converted to, the patients and other guys you're just like mentoring in the gloom or sure but that's that's never the goal you know the goal of being a member of f3 especially for me is not to try to you know have sure. business I, i'm a so a little bit that's kind of some of that's my community service i think because you know if i can spend time to keep someone healthy i think that's a big deal i'm a big believer in prevention and you know yeah if you have a, a rotator cuff issue or a plantar fasciitis or a bad back you know great but let's look back and let, let's see what we can do to make sure that doesn't happen again. And I'm, I'm welcome to have anybody call me anytime. You know, we've got IC is a good resource. I think Zorro's a PT. You know, there's some other guys, Therabands. So there's other guys out there that I think do a great job as well. But I think, you know, I have knowledge that can help someone. And if I can help them so they can continue to be part of the gloom or can they continue to play catch with their kid or just walk with their wife and I have that knowledge to help them, then I owe that to them. Mm. to make sure I can convey that to him. So I, I never feel, you know, if someone has, if someone's listening to this and they've got an issue, call me. And, you know, I'll walk you through something and so on. If I think you need to go see a physician, I'll tell you that. If it's something I can, I don't know how many times I've gone down to my basement at 6.30 at night or 8, 8 o'clock at night, you know, done a Zoom call with someone and said, okay, this is what you should do. Mm. And this is what's going to help you. <clears throat> and part of that is because, again, I want guys to be healthy. And I think that once you get injured, that starts that spiral of, I'm too sore to do this. I'm going to take a couple of days off and pretty soon it's, it's, it's a month later. You haven't worked out. You missed out on the gloom and that's an awful feeling. And, and I had an injury going back a couple of years ago. I, I had plantar fascia. It was so stinking bad that I didn't post more than maybe once every two weeks for a couple months. And it stunk. I mean, I hated that because, you know, oh, I'll go to coffee. Mm, maybe, but you're not. And so I think that anything you can do to keep someone healthy is a very big deal. And again, I've got that knowledge. So if I can help someone, I'm definitely going to try to help them with that. So yeah, if somebody's hurt, reach out to me anytime or reach out to one of the other guys that's a medical professional. Absolutely. Don't, don't just sit back and wait for it to get better. But I will tell you that if you call me, I'm going to tell you a couple of things. One is you might need to take a couple of days off. Two is you're going to need to use some ice probably. Three is... That's the stupidest exercise we possibly do. Don't do that. So, <laughs> you know, if you if you if your shoulder hurts and you're doing chicken peckers or Australian mountain climbs, whatever, I'm going to tell you you shouldn't do that or pull ups. <laughs> so, you know, there's some common sense involved in that as well. So, and oh by the way, if you get out of your truck at 5:28 and think you're going to run four miles of paradise, three miles of paradise, and you don't do anything to warm up, <clears throat> you're going to get hurt some point in time. Mm-hmm. So have some common sense. <laughs> so. Well, and I can attest to that. And I really do appreciate your service, uh, like mindset. I mean, I called you three weeks ago with an injury and I haven't seen a bill and you've been following up and saying, how are you doing? And so I do recommend that people reach out and, and I, is really there treatment for what pony has? I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> there's no, there's not, there's no cure for what I have. Yeah. No. 
do you see, I guess, are there any, uh, any injuries you see most commonly? Like any, like, yeah, I would say in our group, you know, we've got a group of guys that, you know, I would love to know what the average age is. It's probably somewhere between 36 to 42, would be mm-hmm. my guess. <clears throat> and, you know, I think the most common things you find there are, are plantar fasciitis or heel pain because you guys, you take guys who have not maybe been that active and they accelerate rapidly and your body's not ready for that. And then, you know, meniscus injuries in the knees, shoulder tendonitis, and then just a, just a strain back. Those mm. would be the most common things that, you know, that I've seen in just the average PAX member. And that's what I would expect is, you know, things like that, not warmed up, haven't done things in a long time. And just like me, you come out, you love it. All of a sudden you're posting four, five, six days a week when your average exercise before that was going for a walk with your wife. Okay, something's going to break down. That's going to happen. So it's you know it's only a matter of time before something happens. But that's okay. You can we'll get you through it. There's there's ways around it. Those were my injuries, Blake. Just so you know, he said all of them. He, all said, of them? You're too, he said you're too hardcore, pony. I don't know. Um, well, hey, you know the other piece, and, and we started started talking about this early on, but um, have been trying to get, you know, guys perspective on legacy and sort of what, you know, when you think about your life, your legacy, maybe other men that you look up to, uh, how, how do you want to be uh, remembered or what are the things you're trying to do today so that people would, would remember you uh, the way you want to be remembered? Well, I think, um, you know, I, for me, it's, I, I would just like to have people say he's got really good kids. Hmm. So that would be a big thing for me because I think that when you know people see you, that's great. But when people see the impact you've had on others, and for me, that's there's no bigger impact to me than my kids. So that's number one. And then I think I'd like to have people say, you know, at some point in time, he helped me do something, whatever it was, with an injury. You know, he helped me move. He helped me, you know, do something. But at the same time, I like to have the people say, but I was able to help him as well. Hmm. Because I think that, you know, you can help people a lot, but receiving help is a big thing. And so people, I think, really feel like they make an impact on you and you on them when it's a shared experience. And you can do that. So I think those are my two big things is, you know, how people perceive my kids, you know, in life, you know, and not just, you know, academic success or job success, but, you know, what are they like as individuals? How do they treat other people? So that's number one. And then, you know, what impact can I have on people by helping them, I think is a huge thing for me as well. Mm. And a little bit ago, we talked about, Chris, I think, you know, no bigger impact on all of us than wait time. So you think about, you know, how can someone who's not from here and has no connection to here move here and five years later, there's, I don't know how many guys we have that post on a regular basis, probably, you know, 150 to 300. And then, you know, a couple thousand that some point in time have gotten up in the morning and worked out. I mean, how would you ever believe that could happen? There's no yeah. way. Yeah. There's absolutely no way. You you can't write a book about this and say that some guy who no one knows is going to move to Omaha and have an impact. And so you think the impact he's had, you know, at the at the very superficial level, how much weight has been lost by PAX members in the last five years? Mm. Twenty thousand pounds? I don't even know. I mean, so that's a huge deal. So how many lives has that saved? You know, there's been at least one or two guys that, you know, I hate to say it, would have had a heart attack or would have, you know, developed, you know, really bad diabetic complications. But they're not going to do that now. 
So that's mm -hmm. a huge thing. And then the mental component of that, how many guys are happier now because they have packs members who they consider to be friends or acquaintances or, you know, now they've got golfing buddies. Now they've got vacation buddies. Now they've got purpose to do um, something with someone else. So that's a huge thing. And you just can't downplay that. And you bring in the philanthropic issues, you know, how much money has been donated, how much time has been given. So I think from a legacy standpoint, I, there's probably been no one who's had a bigger legacy impact in my life, you know, other than parents, than wait time. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I love it. I, you know, it, it is so cool to think about and so, so many of the spider web sort of connections, right. We won't know till maybe we get to the other side, but, um, I was, I was trying to think of like, if I can just impact one guy, you know, one person and, and, you know, focus on that for, for each day. Um, but I, I love, I really like the servant attitude and, and gosh, you know, just thinking about how our kids reflect us and the, that, um, impact that has on legacy. I, I really appreciate your thoughts there. That has me thinking about all the ways I need to change my parenting, but, uh, I do want to say, uh, <laughs> I do want to say you have helped me. Um, cause I know there have been times where, where I'm struggling as a dad, uh, and you've got some experience and some wisdom in that area. And I know I've asked you for advice or even just, you know, blurted my mouth about what's going on. And I, I know there's been several times where you've given me some insight, uh, to just help, help write the ship. So I appreciate you. Um, Absolutely. That. And I think it's important that when you have, when some, you know, someone's received help from you that you acknowledge that. I think that's a big thing because people help us all the time. And we say thank you, but we don't we don't follow up with that and say, hey, listen, this re really helped me, you know. And you don't know how much it's helped me, so I need to tell you that because then, what does that do to you? It makes you feel good, but it makes you want to continue to help other people, which mm -hmm. is such. A well, and that kind of goes into what Plague and I were talking before this podcast started about honoring other people and how do you do that, right? I mean, this podcast was developed to honor like <clears throat> you leaders and share your story. I guess from your perspective, how can we honor other guys in the gloom? I think number one, continue posting, you know, and, and keep going out and then make sure that you keep acknowledging when you see someone else accelerating. I think that's such a huge thing. You know, you look at someone who wasn't able to run, wasn't able to do a full Murph, and now they are. Acknowledge that. And then, you know, when you haven't seen someone for a long time, I think reaching out to them is such a big thing. Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. How are you doing? And I, not to go back too much. I think I joined F3 at the perfect time because it was cold, it was winter, and it, it had certainly taken off. I was like number 700, I think, so certainly there were a lot of guys, but for about the first month, there was hardly any new guys. In fact, one, one time on a Saturday, we named the guy Ripken, and this was all tater because he kept the streak going of a new guy every week. And so it was really nice because I knew everybody for a while. Well, then there was such this acceleration in the spring. There were so many new guys. But to have guys reach out to you and acknowledge you, hey, where you been? I haven't seen you in a while. You want to do this? I think that's so important. And I think that, you know, as we get bigger, that's a hard thing to do. So we need to make sure we keep doing that. We need to make sure that the site queue reaches out, the queue that day reaches out and keeps in touch with the new guys because otherwise they just get lost in the mix. And that's that's something that can happen very quickly. Heck yeah. Hey, um, before we, before I forget, are you, uh, what's, what's next for you leadership wise, you taking on any, any new leadership roles or doing anything, uh, after the site queue role? Um, so I'm part of the central leadership team with slow pitch and stinger and khakis, which we, I just kind of joined that. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to help that grow. And then I'm sure there'll be other things coming up as we go along. So, um, I, I think my big role now I think is, 
not certainly as a senior member of the of the PACs, <laughs> but is to continue to make sure that people see, you know, me accelerating them and then looking at them and saying, hey, let me know what I can do to help you. How can I help you? And I'm going to follow up people on that. So they make sure that it's not just a superficial comment. You know, what can I do to help you on a daily basis? What can I do to help you with, you know, what you're struggling with in your life? And I, I look forward to that as much as anything else. That's cool. I love it. Yeah. <clears throat> I love that for you and, and what a great role for you. Um, and, and while you're thinking of other people and what you can do for them, what, what can we do for you? You know, if we see you out in the gloom. Um, you know, I'm very, very, very blessed. You know, I've got a, you know, I've got three great kids. I have a fantastic wife. Uh, I, I listen to the Cataracts uh, podcast and he talks about, you know, how appreciative he is of his wife and how, you know, he's, you know, I don't want to quote, you know, she's, you know, better looking than she was when they first got married. I feel the same way about my wife. I feel very blessed because I have a very good job. Things are good for me, but I forget that. Mm. And I think that, you know, continue to make sure you have gratitude in your heart is something that I struggle with sometimes. And so a reminder of how good things are for me, I think is a good thing. And just, you know, that's something that you, you want more all the time. And so just being happy with what you have and being thankful, I think is one thing that would be very good for me. It's just to remember that sometimes. Mm. I love it. It is a, it is national uh, gratitude month. Although, this probably won't air until like January, 2024. So, <laughs> but, well, man, retweet it. It's been so great just to hear your story. And I've just, you know, again, really appreciate who you are as a man and a leader and the impact you've had on me. And I know countless other guys. So just, um, thanks for, for opening up, uh, today. And, and, uh, you know, I'm excited to see you out there in the gloom uh, coming up, but we'll do a little name rama kind of take us out here. All right. I'll start, uh, Brandon Fleharty, 37, the plague. Play. Oh, we're 32 Pony Express. Pony Express. Pony. Uh, Jerry Jacoby, 50. Retweet. Retweet. Respect. Respect. And you need, normally you have the hat, right? You have the Chris Gravel yeah, hat. Yeah. I, I turn the Gravel hat around and point to that. That's my you know, sign of respect for him, I think. So I don't really have a call sign that's really big, but uh, the hat points my deal, I think. I love that's it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you, man. Thank you, guys. This is I, I really enjoyed this, and this is a great thing you guys are doing. Please keep doing it. Thanks, Have brother. A great day, guys. Thanks, guys.